Welcome back to the Steve Asali study. Um, I've got another Zoom interview about to kick off and this is going to be shared across my own platform, the Steve Asali study, as well as the Woodbury House one. Um, it's been a long time coming. This is a guy I've been speaking to uh, for roughly about a year and a half, maybe even two years now over uh, social yeah. media. Um, as you well know, Cope, um, uh, we are very much in the street art sector and we've specifically been working on the Richard Hamilton market, but we have got plans this year to dovetail into, let's just say, people that are affiliated to you know the street, uh, to, to his market. Um, and what, one thing I like about your your style and uh, your work is um, it is it is completely different to Richard Hamilton. So, look, before we go into your style and also into your market, welcome on to the podcast, Cope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem whatsoever. Um, so your 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 handle, your name is Cope2, correct? But your, obviously yep. your, your birth name is Fernando. Is it Carlos? Yep. Fernando Carlos. Carlo. <laughs> All right, cool. So um, I always like to talk to my guests about their background before about your, um, your, your profession as being a, uh, an artist. So you're quite naturally from New York. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, from the Bronx, man. Born and raised in the Bronx, New York City. Cool. And what, what – um, so if you don't mind me asking as well, how old are you at the moment, Cope? Now, 53. 53. 53, yeah. So you're 53 years of age, so quite naturally you've seen New York and even the whole United States of America change quite radically. But going back to like your early part of your life, let's say when you was a young man or even a teenager, what was it like living in New York and in, in the Bronx? Well, you know, as a kid, you know, we, we, we grew up in, I grew up in the Bronx, so, you know, I grew up in like uh, the South Bronx and the four areas, you know, and uh, where, you know, it was just crazy. You know, you you had homeless people, banded buildings, you know, drug selling and all the crazy crimes. You know, I lived around all that stuff daily. It was normal. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had the subway cars. You know, I would love taking a train and watch the pieces <clears throat> on the subway cars. You know, watch these trains, you know, go through all the boroughs in the city and have all these tags inside and big, huge color pieces on the outside. It was pretty exciting, you know, the energy of it. It pretty drew, it drew, it, it kind of drew me into, and it was like a magnet. Like I wanted to do it, you know. And then taking the subways with my moms and 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 going to visit family members, I was always seeing the trains. So that's how it started, just watching the trains, and you know, that was kind of my uh, my uh, playground was the subway yards when I was a kid, and that's how I started getting into it. Right. Okay. I've spoken to, um, and I've actually done a little bit of work with um, Christopher Ellis, who goes by the name of Days, and we've done a show with him uh, a couple of years ago in Soho. He'd done two murals, actually, one in Soho around the corner from the studio, and also uh, in a place called Shoreditch in East London. And he was yeah. saying that a lot of artists back then, including Hambleton, including Crash, uh, and even just, you know, Second in uh, what you're, what you just said there, Cope, people use the uh, the streets of New York or the subways as a bit of a canvas, you know, to to go out yep. there and do their thing. And um, rather than it being called being called uh, graffiti, it started being called more public art. Was that a bit of a culture? You know, people just started using it as a bit of a canvas to just to d- display some creativity. 
yeah, to me, it was just to have fun, you know, it was something to do instead of, uh, you know, doing more crazy stuff like selling drugs as a kid or robbing people. I didn't want to really get into all that stuff. So I would just go, go rack spray cans and, and paint trains. You know, it was something exciting to do and to, to get away from all the crap. I was not one of these kids that always stood on the na- in the, in the neighborhood all the time. You know, I always liked to go out and adventure. So I would take the train maybe from the Bronx to Brooklyn, get out, walk around, rack spray cans. You know, go to Manhattan. I always loved walking around Manhattan, you know, and, and rack spray cans. Back then, everything was so easy to steal. So it was uh, it was a way of getting, it was more just to have fun. You know, I, I didn't even look at it. It was to me like a ghetto art. You know, we were kids from the ghetto, from the hood. You know, we, we didn't learn to do graffiti in school or, or, or any um, art schools. You know, we just learned from watching other graffiti writers who are from the ghetto as well, you know? So we just took from what they were doing and, and, and got inspired, you know, especially like Daze. Daze is one of the guys I looked up to when I was a kid as well. He had nice pieces on the outside, you know, Blade and Comet, Mid-77, you know, Case 2, Steen, all these guys before me, you know, they had these huge pieces on the outside and they kind of influenced me and inspired me to to do the same thing as well as they, what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, um, you know, you know, our background, we, we've been promoting Richard Hamilton for some time and we've, we, by mistake kind of got into the art market and now we're here. We absolutely love it and we're, we're thriving in it and, you know, we're doing, we're doing extremely well as a brand. Um, one thing I remember watching the Shadow Man documentary, it said in there that during the seventies and eighties, when crime was very, very rife back in New York, uh, back then, in actual fact, it inspired people like uh, Basquiat, Keith Haring, uh, Richard Hamilton, and multiple different other uh, street artists to develop a style. Would you say that's similar to you, or did it have any kind of, you know, bearings on or, or influence over over how you, you know, you you portray your art now, Cope? Who uh, Basquiat, Keith Haring, and uh, Hamilton? Uh, yeah, maybe them, but or more, more so like you know, the crime and the and the drugs and the the gangs. Because if you look at, for example, behind me is a, a standing shadow figure that is like known as a lurking shadow man, and that used to kind of represent, right. you know, let's say uh, individuals down a down a, an alley, and uh, you never knew if they were selling drugs, it was a gang member or whatever else, and it was left down to people's like you know view on the on the piece. Now, with you, would you say, would you would you say any of that environment influenced your work, or not really? Other graffiti artists? No, not you? really, not really, because um, like like I said, we did it for fun. You know, we yeah. we just wanted to paint the trains too. It was a thing that you wanted to become famous. Yeah, you know, you wanted to if you if you can go hit a train and 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 it can travel through the whole city. It was a whole different uh whole different world. The subway graffiti. Subway graffiti is like a whole different world, you know, while Basquiat and Keith Haring and Hamilton was probably doing things in the street and on canvas. They were totally a different kind of art, you know, but they were doing it in their own way as well, being inspired from the ghetto as well. Me, I just wanted to uh, to become a king of a subway car, you know, because I saw people writing king, legend. And I said, wow, you know what it takes to become a king and a legend of a subway line. That was more exciting to me to 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 uh 
to to try to uh, ex- ex- execute that and become a king of a subway line. And that was my mission back then at the time. And was you uh, successful becoming that king of that subway line? Yeah, I became king of the four line, which traveled from the Bronx to Brooklyn back in 83, 1983. I, I was hitting it hard. I started hitting it like uh, 80, 81. I was already watching graffiti in 78, 79 when I was a kid. Watching all the whole cars roll by, you know, is the Wiz, Common and Blade, you know, all these guys way before me. They had the big stomping blockbuster letters, man. The thing, the thing was like magical, you know. So back, it just pushed me to 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 be like them. So I back in like '83, I became King of the Four, and then eight, and then in '84, you know, all the way to '84 because in '84 the Four Line, the new trains came in. They were the first line to become the new subway cars because i guess yankee stadium ran through the four line ran to yankee stadium so i guess they probably try to cater more to the yankee fans and then i started spreading out to other lines the ones the twos the threes the four the fives the sixes and some of the letter lines that started to go it's called all city which is you get your name up in all the subway lines before you know it your name is running through all the system you know and and so many other writers were doing it so it was like a huge competition that was the cool thing too it was like a it was like a sport, you know, it was a competition, who would get up more, it was just so many people doing it, you know, and a lot of the writers before me were already slowing down, some of the big writers, so I had kind of an advantage, you know, because watching them, especially some of the big bombers, like Nin and, and Quick and, and Is the Wiz and Cap, you know, these guys, PJ, Scene, these guys were huge bombers before me. They, they inspired me to bomb too as well and get up fast. And then once the trains died out, you know, I became a father in 1985. You know, I just, uh, the trains kind of died out in 87, 88. And I started painting in the street, you know, in the hood. A lot of walls were fucked up. So I would go and get permission and do burners. We started doing burners in the street. Right. What do you mean by burners? Burners is like when you take your name and do like a wow style letter, you know, you, 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 you do a piece, you know, and in the graffiti world, burners are like when I, you know, you do a, just a wow style burner with colors, you know, like, with, like on the outside of the subway lines when the pieces roll up, like a case two, a T-Kid, a Mitch 77, those are burners. These guys, they're burning, you know, it's like a burner is the top, <coughs> top, top of the line of a, of a style of a piece, yeah. you know, it's like. And you could barely read it. You know, that's a burner. So we started doing burners in the street and in the ghetto. And it was really kind of called street art. Because when we would do these pieces, people would walk by and it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. You, you know, it's beautiful street art and you're beautiful. You're making the community look beautiful. And it was kind of weird because it was like, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, the trains were dying and we still wanted to get our names up. So I started just doing pieces in the street. Nice. So, um, I've I've read this before, but I've actually forgot. How come you named yourself Cope or Cope Two? Because um, another thing, yeah, I was writing Cope first, right? And then uh, I remember in the early eighties, like eighty eighty one, I would see so many people with numbers. You know, you have Mark one ninety eight, Mitch seventy seven. You have Phase Two. You know, you have Band Two. You know, you had so many uh, two famous. And, and and so many people had a number. So Cope sounded cool, but it was kind of like just too boring. 
But Band 2 was one of my idols. You know, Band 2, he had tags on every car on the inside. This guy just smashed. So I always loved his 2, the way he did the 2. So I just said, I'm going to add the 2 next to Cope. So it was Cope 2. So it sounded better like Cope 2 and then instead of Cope. You know, so people still call me Cope, but it was always Cope 2. I started to put the 2 because I wanted a number like everyone else. And it made it more sound cool, I guess. So it was like Cope 2. And yeah. that just, you know, kept it from there. Yeah. So, like, from the time you started, you know, doing doing your artwork on the streets of New York in the, in the Bronx, Bronx, et cetera, to where you are now, because I was on your website earlier and you've obviously got a shop, you got T-shirts, you've got merchandise, you've got prints, you've got your, your canvas work. I mean, I know you, you, you must have done it back then, as you said, for fun and to, like, express yourself, you know, the creative side of, of you. But... Right. Later on in life, I mean, you can't keep on doing something just for fun, I guess. You've got to start monetizing it. So when did you start to think, okay, I, I'm now becoming a real kind of artist and started thinking about the financial gain of it of it all? It was back in uh, 2000. There was like a big auction, Christie's Auction. And they had an auction on graffiti. It wasn't even like street art, just graffiti. It was called the Guernsey Street Auction. I never, you know, I wasn't interested, but I always knew about uh, gallery shows because in the mid 80s you know i would hear like Futura doing a show you know a scene would do a show in the city you know a lot of a lot of people before me you know i was already watching them doing uh exhibitions in new york city so i would go check out the shows and just look at it you know like wow these guys are doing you know canvas you know they, these guys from the subways from the early 80s once they quit they went straight onto canvas you know and and I always watched it, but I just didn't know how to break into it, you know? So I always worked in regular jobs. Since I was a father young in 85, I had my son, 88, I had my daughter. So I always had to work, you know, to pay the bills, keep food on the table, make sure everything was taken care of. So um, it was in 2000, they contacted me. I forgot who, who curated it, but they asked me if I wanted to put a canvas inside the auction. So I was like, a canvas. I don't do canvases. I'm still painting walls, you know, and doing throw-ups in the street. So they said, yo, just do anything on a canvas. What you do on the wall, do it on a canvas. So I said, oh, whatever. I did three of them and two of them sold. And I remember I made about, was like they sold for like two, three grand for both of them. And that was shocking. I was like, holy, I didn't even believe someone bought my painting. And, you know, it, it took me a month to make three grand working two jobs. So, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> now, this this sounds kind of cool. So it was kind of tough because then you have, like, the guys from the hood and from the street that's still keeping the culture real. They call it real. And they don't want, you know, you don't want to sell out and disappoint them. But then again, you have to take care of your own, you know. So if you can make money off your work and live off your work, why not? They should be happy for you if you can make it out of the hood and out of the ghetto and live better for your family and live good. And watching all these guys before me, like especially Futura, especially Days, you know, Steam, you know, Crash, Shipping Crash, you know, these are guys who were doing Dandy, especially, you know, they were doing canvases and doing exhibitions already in the early 80s. So I was always watching it. And then I said, you know, fuck it, I'm going to try it. You know, if they can do it, I can do it. I already killed the subway cars. I killed the streets. You know, I started to make a name for myself. Yeah. So I started doing canvas. 
And it took a while before it took off. You know, I had to do, I did a video called King's Destroy documentary. that sold worldwide in 2000. Then a book in 2003 called Cope Two True Legends that a friend of mine, Oris and Mir from Paris, had published. And it, it started to take off. Once the, the video and the book came out, it started to take off. You know, I started to get more known and doing uh, interviews in a lot of graffiti mags. Because back then, in um, the late 80s, there were a lot of graffiti mags. I mean, the late 90s, the late, the mid 90s and late 90s, there were graffiti magazines from all over the world. And I started to get into that. Mm. And I was like, wow, graffiti mags? Because graffiti had just spreaded worldwide. It was insane. It was phenomenal. I didn't even think it went from New York to like, I know it went to the West Coast, but I didn't know how how much of an impact it had in Europe. And then when I started looking into it, it was it was like just phenomenal. Yeah. Like wow, this is really insane. Yeah. Um. So I I, I guess uh, converting from let's say the streets of New York onto a medium like canvas, and then seeing your prices go up and up and up. I guess part of that is um, you know your style. The people are people into it, which they clearly are then your PR, then your marketing, then there's the collaborations. Um, a friend of mine, actually a family member, a guy called George, um, he actually pointed out, I was having a boxing fight, I remember, it was nearly two years ago, and he said, because um, I think me and you were talking over social media, and I think he, he saw like the, a couple of comments, he said, oh, I, I bought an Adidas tracksuit, and it was a, a collab with Cope, Cope 2, and I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. So um, you've done a few collaborations with fairly big brands. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was uh, I started to take off like really big. And um, how was it with? Sorry, remember, sorry to interject. How was it with like Adidas? Because they're they're massive. Oh, Adidas! It was. Uh, I got connected with a, a, a friend of mine, Fafi from uh, Paris. She's a female artist. You know, Fafi. Everybody knows who Fafi is. And. Um, you know, she was doing a, she had did a big collection and I went, I was in Paris at the time and we were doing a wall and she had just had her son. So I went up her house to visit her and to see her son, her newborn and meet her, her, her husband and stuff. And I saw the whole collection she had it there and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And she was like, just so genuine. You know, she was like, hey, you want me to connect you with them? I was like, really? You think they would do something with me? She's like, yeah, I know the guy who, who just, who's the um the curator of it you know he, he i think he he said he uh he was from london as a matter of fact mm. from from the uk okay so uh the guy knew who i was like he heard of me already so he knew who i was i forgot his name but uh she gave him my uh, email she did like a, a a cc email for both of us and then you know he we, me and him started talking and then they connected me with some uh who was it i think the uh the people who ran it was uh, called Udocs, maybe. I think they call Udocs. Okay. I think that's the company who, who, who uh, I guess, uh, ran the Adidas project. And um, before you know it, man, they just asked me for a bunch of material, and we talked the contract, and uh, the, the contract had me to go to fly to like London <laughs> and, and uh, Rome and, and Paris and Italy to do like uh, it was a collaboration with Foot Locker. Right. You know? I know Foot Locker, yeah. It was a Adidas Foot Locker collaboration. And it was huge. Like, I was shocked. I was like, they had, like, big advertisements on the double-decker buses in London, like, rolling by when I went down there. That was shocking, you know? And, and 
once you get to that point, you know, you made it, you know. And, it, and from there, I, I did a collaboration with Converse, Sneakers, Pro Kids, you know, Time Magazine. I started to get all these things. Mark Echo did a graffiti game and put me as one of the legends. It just took off. You know, before you know it, I got bigger and bigger. You know, and, and it was really, uh, the Adidas project was like my favorite. You know, these guys were like top of the line professional. They took care of you. You know, the painting was awesome. And the, the, the whole thing was just fun. The whole project, just flying to all these countries and going to Falaka. And you have a line outside, which was cool. I was kind of shocked. You know, you have a line outside, all these graffiti writers from that country coming to see you and buying your sneaker. You know, that was really like, to me, amazing. Yeah. Do you know, like, so the, the, the collaboration with something, someone like Adidas, or you mentioned Time or Converse, okay? Now, quite naturally, that's going to create a bit of, you know, demand on, let's say, the merchandise or the collectibles. What I call, like, entry point, almost artwork for people not ready to step up for a canvas or one of your masterpieces or originals, but it creates a lot of hype around that, which is one side of the market, which we're going into as a brand because we've got a, an online store now. And I believe, you know, right. us, 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 us two together, we can come up with a very unique, cool plan. So watch this space. Okay. But then right. that creates the hype, which actually, you know, starts creating you a lot of demand for your original works. And, your original works exactly. must must start going up in value because of that. Do you, do you find that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. It, it does a lot because um, when you're selling a painting, you know, and sometimes the collector wants to know, like, who you are, you know, or even before they even know who you are or meet you as a person, they look into you. You know, they want to look, all right, I love that painting. Who is this guy? Oh, Cope 2. Who is Cope 2? And then, Sometimes the gallery has to represent you or sometimes they'll just do their own homework. You know, sometimes I get a lot of emails from collectors like, oh, I love your work. I've seen you to this. I've seen you to that. I would like to purchase a piece. And which is good is, you know, having history behind those big collaborations, you know, coming from New York City and, and hitting the subway cars and the ghetto and the Bronx and bombing the streets, you know, that gives having that history helps a lot because a lot of collectors love that. You know, they like to, you know, they like to have a piece of history. You know, it, it's like, like me, for, for instance, I, I would love to have a Gandhi piece. You know, Gandhi is one of my idols, but it's probably impossible to get a Gandhi campus. And it, it but, you know, to have a Gandhi campus is probably, who knows, thousands and thousands and his canvases are rare. You know, so it's the same thing with a collector. You know, they look into you. And then once they see, not only did you have history from New York City, they see the collaborations as well. Oh, you did something with Adidas? Wow, you did something with Time, Converse. You know, it kind of helps and it makes it more interesting well, to them to buy a piece. Yeah, well, it's almost like you're the artist, you in this case, is validated. I mean, sorry to go back to Hamilton, but, exactly. you know, when, when we uh, promote, you know, Hamilton, if you look at his story, you know, there's been a Shadowman documentary. he done a collaboration with Supreme, you know, who, which is a massive brand now. Um, yeah. We also helped to, to do a, 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 another collaboration with the Hamilton IP with uh, a company that I'm a part of called Dark Circle Clothing, which was cool. That, uh, that got us into Vogue magazine. That also got us into Hype Beast. And then you had the Giorgio Armani stuff. So every time you tick another box, it really, you know, validates 
the brand around the artist as well as the artist them, themselves. And I can start to see how incrementally your canvas work start fetching more in value. So the, 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 exactly. question, the question I want to ask you, Cope, then, let's just say um, the future of street contemporary, uh, the contemporary, the, the, the street art market, where do you see it going? I mean, do you see it going up and up and up or what's your kind of view on it? Man, you know, it's kind of, I think life to me is unpredictable. You know, sometimes it all depends on artists, all of all of us. You know, we have to continue to do what we do as artists because um, art is something, it's an investment as well. You know, even after you're dead and gone, people still collect your work. You know, so... Well, look at Ramo Z. Yeah, Ramo Z was a good friend of mine. You know, I regret not going... I remember before he passed away, you know, a few months, like two, three months before I was on the phone with him because I heard he was sick. And he's like, you know, I'm getting better, whatever. He's like, yo, come to my house. You know, I told him, yo, I want to get a piece from you. You know, like, he's like, just come to my house, bro. I'll hook you up, man. Don't worry about it. Come chilling. I never did, so I, I always regret that, and I feel terrible. Because, you know, I've smoked blunts with him. We, you know, he was, this guy was, I'm telling you, man, he was just phenomenal. You look at his work. I remember in the beginning, I said, this guy's crazy. He's taking like junk toys from everywhere and just making these sculptures of stuff. It was just phenomenal. And these costumes, I really thought he was losing his mind. But the guy was, he was like a genius. He was a genius. Yeah. You know, and it's sad he's gone, but. His work is just something that's just, man, I, I, I don't think anything anyone can pop anything like that. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. And like, to sit there and do this, it takes so much time and energy. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it, but he was a genius. You know, and, and that's the thing with I learned with this art, too, watching passed away. Like, Basquiat's one of my idols. You know, when I was young, I watched him. You know, I watched what he did. Did you actually and, and, uh, meet you know, him? And, and was he was you, amazing. Was you around him in, in person, Cope? You know, was you was you there? No, I grew up him and had friends. They used to chill with him. Like this guy, Devo. He always told me he used to chill with Basquiat. You know, Delta 2 chilled the Basquiat. You know, Toxic chilled the Basquiat. I know dudes who chilled with him, but I never met him. I met Keith Haring a few times because he had a, a shop called the Pop the Pop the pop shop yeah. on, uh, was it Lafayette Street? Mm. And he would be in there sometimes. So I was always in the Ville walking around. I used to love this city, walking around. And sometimes he would just be in there and you can go in there and just talk to him. Like, yo, what's up? Like, he was so cool, the guy. But I never, like, to me, it was a different world because he was a, a different artist and I was a graffiti artist. So I didn't really, like, look into his stuff, but I knew he was famous and big because he was doing murals and canvases, and he was huge already, Keith Haring. Yeah. And um, I was still, still doing trains and, and walls and stuff like that. We were two different artists, but I've met him a few times, and I regret not having him tag a, a black book or something now, because a friend of mine got him to tag a black book, and he did one of the babies in the black book. He still has it today, and I, I try to drive him crazy to get the to get the, the sheet, but he won't give it to me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it's like these guys were always there. And I, 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 you know, I knew they were there, but I guess I was doing my own graffiti. And, um, you know, it, it, it just, they're very inspiring too, especially now in the art world. But I think graffiti and street art is just going to get bigger and better. 
because every day there's just new graffiti writers, new street artists, people. It's art, you know, it's a whole different art world. And the good thing about artists like me and many others, when you have history, it helps. Yeah. I mean, you're... You no, know, because sometimes you can have a... Go sometimes you can have a... You're in a group show, and, you know, I'm in a group show with artists that no one even heard of. But they do great work, and sometimes their work will sell and mine won't. So sometimes it, it's all about if a, if a collector just likes the painting, don't even care if the person has a uh, history or not, you know? So in the end of the day, you know, art always sells regardless, you know, but having some legacy to it does help. And to me, I'm doing this not only for me, but for my kids and grandkids for the future, because when I'm dead and gone, you know, I want mining to continue so they can carry on the legacy, you know, and the whole estate. You know, because I do paintings and I put paintings away. Like, I do a lot of paintings and I, I'm i putting so many of them away. So when I'm gone, you know, they can sell it. You know, they can do what they got to do with the paintings. You know, you got to think for the future because life is fast, man. I mean, yesterday I was like 25, 18. Now I'm going towards 60. You know, it goes quick. It's like, whoa. So yeah. I'm all focused on just painting, painting painting trying to stay like you know healthy smart and just try to focus on my art because you never know especially with this nobody's seen the covid coming you know the whole you know covid virus nobody's seen it coming it came and hit so hard it killed so many people yeah you know so you never know life's unpredictable you just never know what happened yeah so you have to stay on your craft and stay focused A and absolutely you know yeah, you have to just keep on working. Yeah. And keep, work keep working. There's a, a few things you said there, Cope. So, like, I do agree with you that life is very unpredictable. I mean, the one thing you just said there, which is everybody's experiencing it from America to the UK to Australia to wherever, is this bloody coronavirus. And, and I think the secondary uh, negative of it is the lockdowns because I understand why they're doing yeah. it. Um, but it's decimating a lot of businesses, a lot of careers, a lot of jobs, and therefore there's a lot of problems. But anyway, you said life is un 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 unpredictable, but in the street art sector, and let's look at looking at you know the markets and also looking at uh, maybe the investment side of stuff. Um, you mentioned about you should have got like maybe a tag from from Keith Haring. You should have got something from from Ramel Z because look at where their markets have gone. And I personally believe that there are certain artists that seem to come out of the woodwork or come out of nowhere and they they suddenly blow up. And I would say that's quite rare. But there's other artists that kind of got the hallmarks there because just like you said, if you're an artist who's got a good style, a good authentic style, but then you've got the heritage of you know being a bit of a you know, a face, a legend or an icon in your sector, then you do the collaborations, right. then you had the right PR, the right shows, the right affiliations with some of the legends like, you know, the Basquiat's, the Ramosi, or even people like Days and Futura, etc. You can begin to imagine, you know, if you're, an, if you're a, a collector, you would, you would think to yourself, well, I should buy some of the pieces from these particular artists because in five or 10 years time or 15 or 20 years time, they're going to be probably worth a lot more money. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work that kind of outcope, you know? Exactly. 
Um, and the reason why, you know, I'm interested in your market, interested in Crash's market, interested in Dave's market is because I've seen what's happened to Jean-Michel Basquiat. So out of all, out of everybody, I would say, you know, he's, as far as financial, he's, he's been the king, you know. he's He had a piece in 2017. He's one of mine. Yeah. He's it, one of mine. He went for $110.5 million. And I mean, the guy, you know, some of the... Some of the documentaries, like The Radiant Child, I think he's an absolute G, so cool, and, and, and what a legend he was. But I missed out yeah, on I that. Yeah, I love that documentary. Yeah, amazing. But I, I missed out on, on number one, collecting and, and buying and, and, and just promoting his work. You know, I, it was way before my time. But that's why I've noticed with Hamilton, he was kind of on the cusp of doing that. And I, I believe we've been quite instrumental with that. You know, we've done shows across the world for, for his market. The recent one we done was at the Saatchi Gallery. But now we're kind of getting a bit of traction with that. We feel we could take our kind of our blueprint, as it were, to other affiliates, you know, the Daisies, the Crashes, the Cope 2s, etc. Because like you said, look at Futura. I mean, he's still alive. He's done a collaboration with multiple different brands, including one that you've done a collab with, which is uh, Converse. I know he's done, uh, in actual fact, I've got some of the trainers next door, the, the Converse and Futura ones where he, he's tagged them. And then, um, yeah, he's you know, I went to a show, not when Ramos was alive, but I went to a, a show at Laz Inc., which is owned by, used to be owned by a guy called Steve Laderidis, who kind of founded uh, uh, Banksy. And they done a Ramosy show in London. And it was unpopping. It was unbelievable. And when I was looking at his yeah. work, I can see, you know, the, I can see some of your work in his work. I can see a little bit of days in there. You know, I, I could feel like the, the, the dots were connecting with, with a lot of you, basically. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hope that's a bit of, uh, that's a compliment. Yeah, no, for sure, man. You know, I'm sad he's gone. You know, he was such a such a cool dude. You know, it's like it's sometimes you know when you know these guys, you take it for granted. And and you know, man, he 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 passed so fast, so young. I, I had no idea. Like he, he really, it, it's sad, man. That guy was just you knew him. He was so funny, and he was such a cool dude. How man. did he die? Rest his soul. Huh? How did he, how did he die? I don't know, man. They say he, you know, he had cancer and he was getting treated for uh, for cancer, but then he didn't have cancer, so the chemo they were giving him got him sick. It, it was a whole bunch of stuff, and, and he just he passed away. So I really don't know the real truth, but when I spoke to him on the phone, he said he had cancer, you know, and he was doing bad. He doesn't know if he's going to be around long, so I should get my ass to his house to chill with him, have a beer smoke some weed and and just chill out you know but i i, I was like yo i'm gonna go out there i got you and i never did and always i always regret that shit and um you know before you know it i heard he was in the hospital and he was gone so it was like damn it, it just happened so fast yeah you know it's bad yeah um man it's just yeah i, I mean i'm not I've, I've read about a lot of the artists uh certainly from the 70s 80s early 90s and uh you know, part of, I guess, the creativity with any kind of artist, whether you're a, a songwriter, you know, a singer-rapper, you know, a canvas yep. or graffiti artist, 
what comes along with that is is you know the drugs and narcotics and 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 if you do that for too long the cancer can be developed and so many of them die because of cancer and also the lifestyle so it is it's 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 really sad to hear hear that um but going back to like let's say the the market um i done a podcast recently that city private bank which is part of the city group or city bank uh organization They've got something like $250 billion under management for their high net worth investors. And they release a report, Cope, between the years of 1985 to 2020. And they said that the second best performing asset class for their investors, these weren't, these weren't collectors or street art fanatics. These were purely and simply investors who wanted to make money in a safe, secure way. Um, was the contemporary street art sector, and it was performing at eleven point five percent year in year out. Now, here's what is even uh-huh. even interesting. Last year, they released another report specifically on the year when coronavirus came out. Coronavirus started decimating economies, started decimating people's jobs, careers, businesses, etc. But what was interesting is the stock market started to plummet. So you saw the Dow Jones in America, you saw the FTSE in, in the UK started to bottom out. But in actual fact, the contemporary street art sector started to blossom even more. And what it was proving is more and more people coming out of your conventional areas and they are going into things like tangible asset classes like street art. Um, I wanted to ask you as a, you know, a, a, you know, a legend in street art and someone that is very active and, and someone that is, you know, pushing your market all the time. Are you finding that investors are coming to you specifically to say, look, I want to buy into your work because you know, I want to make money in the future, whether that's five years down the line, 10 years down the line. Are, are you finding that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, I was when uh, when the COVID hit, you know, and, and I've seen everything just it was just killing everything in its path. You know, the jobs, you know, businesses, you know, I was like, wow, I, I might be in trouble here. You know, I had shows planned. I had a book, a book coming out, you know, everything would just stop, you know. But before you know it, I started getting emails from like collectors, you know, from, from Czech Republic, from Cyprus, from, you know, um, France. I, I, I was getting tons of emails from dudes really wanting to buy pieces and i was like holy moly you know it, during the covid i did you know really shockingly well i was shocked how much paintings i sold just right from my house right from my storage my studio just painting and you know these guys like i never heard of them you know one's a doctor one's this one's that and they were buying pieces like spending thousands of dollars on paintings and i was kind of overwhelmed you know, and I was blessed. And in a sense, I say I'm blessed because during the COVID, you see so much stuff going on and and I feel terrible, you know. You see a lot of people don't have it, you know, can't even get through, through to have no money. And, and I'm here just killing it, you know. But I share it with my family. You know, I have family that is unfortunate. So, you know, I share with them. So, it's good. Yeah. You know, I try to give back. You know, sometimes I get hit from charities from France, and I get hit from a lot of charities. Don't donate a canvas, and I donate it. The canvas always sells. I don't get a penny. That's fine. You know, as long as it goes to something helping children. Like there's one, uh, there's one. Uh, I think it's called Street Art for Kids in Paris. They have one every year. I always send them a canvas, and it sells for sometimes two, three grand, and it goes 
for homeless kids in France. You know, I always, you got to give back. So I guess everything comes in full circle. And um, yeah, I'm, now I have like a lot of collectors in the sense that I don't, I don't even think I need to do any gallery shows, which is, you know, kind of crazy to say. At one time I was dressing to do a show and not only to make the money, because it's not always a, it's always about to just get your name out there. And, and I'm like this, if I have an art show and an exhibition, I don't always think about selling the work or making money. <clears throat> Some people always, oh, I want to sell, I want to sell. You always got to look at it as like to represent your art, represent who you are and let the public and let the world see your work. You know, to me, I've had shows where, you know, I had one in Italy, right? In Mestre, Italy about five years ago, man, it was so many people. It was insane. And just to see the town mayor come and, and, and give me an award and, and just blessing that, that whole town with an exhibition, that felt so amazing. You know, just seeing the people. When you have a show like another country somewhere, somewhere in the France in a little village or, or Germany, and all these people come from that town. They don't even know who the hell you are. And they just come see your work. And they love your work. They're just like, your work is beautiful. Mm. And you're like, wow, that's a great feeling alone. Yeah. You know. And if you sell work, hey, it's a bonus. It's beautiful. But one thing I learned about having exhibitions, to me, it's more exciting when people just come. Like loads of them. And just You could just stand there and watch them just look at and admire your work. That, to me, is so, so awesome. I just love that feeling. I love it. Yeah, sick. Sometimes it's better than selling a, a painting, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And during this whole COVID thing, you learn in life that, yo, man, forget it. All right, everyone needs money. You know, we have to pay bills. We have, to, But, man, you have to really, like, in the end of the day, you have to take care of your health. Because, you know, you're here one day, the next day you're gone. You know, with that COVID, I lost, uh, you know, a really good friend, Nick 707, OTB. You know, he's a, a original style master from the 70s, from the subway era. He's one of my idols. You know, he caught COVID and, you know, he didn't make it. And it's very, you know, it's devastating. You know, and I know a lot of people that lost family members. And that thing really, so that really kind of makes you look and put life in perspective. Like, Yo, man, you got to like really, I guess, try to change a little more towards a positive way in life and try to be more good to people and and try to live more of a healthy, positive life. Because, man, like I said, life's unpredictable. And that COVID came and smashed and it's still here. I mean, I, I, I hope, you know, it gets under control finally, mm. you know, but... Mm. I was pretty overwhelmed of the collectors that I, I've been getting. And, and I have some really good collectors, but I always, you know, I still want to do shows. I have some shows, hopefully for this year and for next year. You know, yeah. I got a group show, a duo show now in Brussels at Gallery Martinheimer at, on February 19th with Pro 176. You know, I would love to be there, but, you know, I can't fly. You know, I would love to. I think I could fly, but I don't want to risk it. Yeah. You know, you never know what happens, you know, flying from here to Paris, taking a train to Brussels. You never know, man. Just so many germs in the air. I don't need to catch COVID. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get sick and that's it. 
you know, I'll be gone and my paintings will probably be selling for more than what, <laughs> what they are now. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's the irony. Usually when an artist passes away, it, it can be sometimes their best career move they can make because uh, prices t- yeah. tend, tend to rock up, rock it up. Um, yeah, that, it happens. That's just life. And, and I look at that too. You know, I say, wait a minute. You know, you see all these guys, like when they pass away, their canvases and auctions going for millions. It's insane. Mm. You know, and I'm like, wow. I, at least I want to know when I'm when I'm dead and gone, you know, if I got a few thousand paintings there and my kids have it, you know, my grandkids, they can sell it. You know, they can make some money, buy some cars, party, enjoy life, man. You know, you got to leave something behind for the family. Absolutely. You know, because in the end, yeah, the vultures, they're going to come out. The galleries, the collectors, they're going to make as much money as they can off your work. But that's business. There's nothing you can do about it. It's business, and that's what good thing about art. It, it is an investment. Yeah, you know, it is an investment. You know, I've watched Cause. Cause was a perfect example. I knew Cause. Perfect example. The, yeah, yeah, mid nineties, and uh, we would did we did a few walls together. Really genuine guy, you know. And I watched him like just grow, and grow, and he took things to a level that's just phenomenal. I mean, this guy, is, and he's still young, you know, and he's, he's just a fucking genius. I got to give it to him. And just like he looked up to people like me and other writers in graffiti, it's, it's kind of strange. I look up to him now because I say like, wow, you know, I, 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 one thing about me, I always look at other artists, even if they come after me and I watch what they do and I try to take their energy and use it towards mine. You know, instead of some artists, they get jealous of all the artists. They hate. They talk crap. Me, I joke around a lot, but you know, watching Cause, how he just developed, and watch what he what he did and what he's doing. He's genius. He's a genius. He's just phenomenal. Mm. And just like I know, he watches other artists like Jeff Koons. You know, that's one of his idols. You know, it's a whole like. It's a whole thing of a, a, a trail of just everyone just taking uh, energy from each other and just trying to to uh, make uh, magic, yeah. you know, make positive things with it. And and um, man, art is amazing. You know, just seeing all these great artists is it's just amazing. It's um, it and seems it seems like certainly with cause as well, and I've seen it with a few artists. Going back to days, he's about to do it. I've seen on your website and also your Instagram. It's the birth of the figurines now, you know, where, you know, the, the figurines are coming out from these artists and look at cause, you know, some of the some of the figurines he's got. They go in Phillips for like hundreds of thousands. And I remember yeah, I know, them. I... I remember them only a few years ago. Me and my business partner was in Phillips. And we were looking at one for about 8,000, maybe 10,000. I mean, literally a couple, maybe 18 months later, it was going for ridiculous money. Ridiculous. I know. That's in, I know. I know. Trust me. I remember when he first started doing them. I, I regret not buying them. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't, I don't know. I was I'm more of a graffiti purist. And I know he was a, a graffiti purist. You know, he did freight trains. He did walls. You know, he bombed. He did his thing, but he went straight into you know, I guess contemporary art. And I saw when he was first coming out with the toys and 
I was like, wow, you know, that's cool, man. But, you know, Futura was doing toys too. I watched all that and I regret not buying it now. Like imagine if I bought a cause, a cause toy 20 years ago. Imagine yeah. now, yeah. you know, one of his first original toys, you know, and, and it would be crazy. Yeah. So is that, um, are you going to, obviously you're going to maintain, you know, your heritage, which is your canvas work and even maybe doing the murals, et cetera, on the streets. But are you going to go more down that route now of the collectibles, the toys, the merchandise, et cetera? I mean, it depends because, I don't know, I like to be like one of those old artists that just do paintings. You know, I really don't care much about the toys. It's cool. You know, the thing with the figures, like they, if you approach me like a company and say, hey, we'd like to do a collaboration with your figure. Oh, I'll do it. You know, if it's a cool figure, I'll do it. And um, but I might do some because it's cool to have, you know, for your legacy as well, you know, and for your name as well. You know, oh, he does, you know, paintings. That, oh, he has a new a new uh, toy, a new figure that just came out. Oh, really? Wow. You know, it's always good, you know, to, to do it as well for yourself. Yeah. I mean, a lot of artists have done it. I've seen Futura do it. You know, Scene has done it. You know, Cause has been doing it. Why not do a few co-figures? You know, why not? I have people already approach me on doing some. So, yeah, I'm sure you'll see some coming out yeah. <laughs> in the future. We were looking at just earlier, because I know they're fairly big, um as a collaboration piece, I think they've done a few with the Jean-Michel Basquiat IP uh, and, and other, you know, affiliates. They're called Bear, uh, Bear, Bear Back uh, Bricks. No, Bear Bricks uh, Bears, I think they're called. Um, not yeah. sure if you're familiar with them. They look like these bears and basically they're, uh, they're, they're playing and then the artist will do their thing over the top. That's cool. Yeah. They're, they're really, really cool. And they sell out very quickly, you know, especially the Jean-Michel Basquiat ones. Anything, you know, that IP, you know, the Haring one, the the Andy Warhol one, any of these big brands, they, they oh, move. Yeah, they're really cool. They can, they can, they can do a, a collab with, uh, uh, you know, Kleenex tissues and they will sell out, you know? <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, well, that's, not, that's cool, man. You know, and the thing about the figures, they're not so expensive either. So a lot of people are able to... Uh, to at least have a piece of an artist. Yeah. They can't spend, you know, two, three grand, five grand, ten grand on a painting. They can spend a hundred bucks maybe on a on a little figure or two hundred bucks, you know? Yeah. And later on they'll probably set it anyway. I see some of the some toys on eBay like so expensive now. Like, wow. You know, it's it's a business. In the end of the day it's a business. You yeah. know, art is a business. It is. It really is. Yeah, it is definitely. So, uh, on your goals list, then, Cope, uh, where do you see yourself over the next five or ten years, as far as your market, you as an individual, and what kind of collaborations or ideas, you know, what what sort of vision have you got for the future? Have you got any goals to collaborate with certain organisations? No, not really. I mean, I'm trying to do. Uh, I have a book ready to come out. You know, I guess the COVID thing messed it up, so they're not pushing it to. Uh, next year next spring which would be cool okay you know the books are already pretty much laid out with shipper books and um it's a really great book you know it's a little bit of everything you know you have uh old trains trains around the world throw-ups around the world 
uh, uh, Walls Around the World collaborations I did with uh, with uh, Shepard Ferry, Retina, you know, Mr. Braywash, uh, Kenny Sharp. You know, I got that in the book. And um, just uh, to get, I want to get another book out, you know, get some books out and just continue to uh, create paintings. You know, and, and that's kind of my uh, therapy is just painting. You know, it's always good to just keep painting and keep painting and work on some great exhibitions. And um, that's what I really want to do, some really great exhibitions with some really great galleries and just continue to uh, bless the world with my work. And, you know, keep going, man, to the end of time, mm. you know, because even after when I'm dead and gone, you know, just like many artists, like you said, rappers, singers, actors, you know, their legacy continues, mm. you know. So right now I'm still building my legacy, continuing to build it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, so when I'm dead and gone, it, it just keeps going. Kind of like, you know, like Bruce Lee. Like I look at Bruce Lee, like he's my idol. Like he's my hero since a little kid. Yeah. You know, I always want, everyone wanted to be like Bruce Lee. 100%. And, and it's phenomenal how his stuff still sells. And, and he's still like out there and his, his, his daughter and his family just still, his whole estate still like keeps promoting and pushing his legacy. You know, he's like a phenomenal legend. This guy, Bruce Lee, it's sad he passed so young, but you see his legacy is just, it's just phenomenal, man. You know, and I see that and he's a MMA like God. So it's like, I want to take that kind of energy, but in my world as a graffiti artist, so, and keep going and keep going. So when I'm gone, you know, my kids, my daughters can take my estate and do what, you know, Shannon did for her father, Bruce Lee. Yeah. You know, and yeah, because when we're gone, you know, all of us, they have made it out there, all the big artists, you know, and, um, and left a legacy. You know, it, it, it lives on forever. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, phenomenal. It's crazy, you know, how it just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. And yeah. that's the good thing about building your name and building your legacy. Yeah. I mean, you, you got quite naturally the originals market, but eventually, you know, as, as the market keeps on building, like the Basquiat's and like the Harrings and like the, I know, Andy Warhol's, etc. for most people... They can't afford a 500,000, a million, 10 million, 20 million pound piece. It's just far out, outside anyone's reach. But what they might be able to get oh. is their limited editions. But even look at the limited editions. I mean, look at Banksy. Look, one of his uh, limited editions, unsigned, so not even signed, sold for over 100,000 pounds. A signed one were, uh, sold for over 300. And uh, an original piece in 2019 called... A devolved uh, parliament sold for 9.9 million pounds you know so the the facts are when people can't get the originals then they turn to the limited editions but then eventually the limited editions get out far you know far out their reach and then they go to more of the collectibles of the merchandise and i can kind of see where your market's going to go in the future because so many people around yep. you who have been affiliated to you you know, from your kind of scene in your culture, that's where they've gone to. I mean, I look at Futura all the time and I'm thinking, I've got two of his Futura tags on canvas. And when I picked them up, they were, you know, you know, fairly, fairly cheap. Now, I've been offered per per uh, tag, like 16, 18,000 pounds, and I've turned it down per one. Wow. You know? 
And he, he rarely, thankfully, we've got a couple of his canvases as well, but he doesn't even do canvases no, no more, really. He's just doing uh, his collaborations and stuff. And I think that's quite a smart move because it creates a, um, yeah. scarcity, you know? So, um, yeah, I can, I can see, like, the business moves. I can see the strategies. And, uh, you know, I think investors, collectors, lovers, they, they're all going to be demanding, you know, the the authentic street art legends who've paved the way for for many other people out there and that's including you as well cope thank you um i want to ask you a question actually which is slightly uh it's more of a purse purse like me personally asking you rather than what i think other people would want to ask you but you know like when you were you know let's say back in the day when you started doing you know public art or graffiti no, quite naturally, it was illegal, right? So, you know, you took a risk and you went out there to, you know, bomb bomb the city. Were there any, like, can you remember any hairy moments where you thought, oh, my God, like, the feds are going to get me or a gang's going to get me or I could be killed because I'm doing a, a train track and a train's about to come? Is there any of those, like, kind of scary moments that uh, you can uh, you can talk talk me through? Oh, yeah, for sure. When I did, uh, when I was opposed to do my documentary, the Cope 2, Kings Destroy. And in 90, 1996, 97, and, um, you know, I, I got a lot of big players in it. And I also filmed myself doing subway trains. And I knew when the documentary came out that the, that the police were going to come after me. Even though a lot of my, if you look at the videos on, it's on YouTube, you know, my face is blurred out a lot. But, you know, when I was doing the trains. But uh, I knew they were coming, you know, like I've had raids in train yards and got away, you know, no big deal. But when I did the documentary, I was always stressed. Like, and I told the producer, you know, you know, they're going to come down on me on this, but whatever. I didn't even care. I was kind of leaving the hardcore graphs and trying to get more into canvas anyway. So I felt like, all right, let me do it. Who cares? And uh, before you know it, I'm coming out my house and I got rolled on by like eight police and it was crazy. You know, I was like, wow, I mean, it's just a damn video. These guys, yeah. they were acting like pro agents, like if I had murdered somebody. But they really, like, like you know, rolled on me and, and, and um, you know, took me in. And before you know it, you know, I got locked up for it. But it turned out cool. You know, the, the producer paid everything, lawyer fees, everything. And, you know, came out with a sweet deal. And that was that, you know. Do you know but lucky um... it was back. Do, do you know, in some ways, Cope, sorry to uh, sort of butt in there, but in, in a roundabout way, you know, if I'm collecting a legend from the street art, yeah, and I'm investing into their market, I kind of would expect, you know, let me put it like this, right? If I bought someone's artwork and it was cool art, don't get me wrong, but the person I was buying into didn't have that kind of, you know, not, I'm not saying your 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 background's checkered or anything like that, but they didn't have those moments. It would kind of lose a bit of meaning to the street art, you know. You kind of expect the artist to like have runnings with gangs, have runnings with the feds, you know, near death moments, drugs, you know, you know, shootings, you know, you, you, that's kind of the stuff that you buy into, correct? Yeah, true. Oh, when I was in the street, you know. Growing up, I saw drugs. You know, I mean, I had to. And uh, was it? I couldn't make it with the regular job. So, you know, in the in the mid eighties, I'm doing trains and walls. But in the neighborhood, I'm selling crack. You know, crack was huge. So I had to make money, and I was getting into beef with other drug dealers, and they would pull guns out on me and try to shoot at me, and you know, try to jump me. 
you know, dudes who I grew up with, they rolled with me. They know, they know the deal. You know, they know it was a whole different world from graffiti. You know, so I could have got killed just trying to sell drugs in a neighborhood because another drug dealer didn't want me in the neighborhood. You know, so I, I had a lot of, lot of trouble with big dudes and, and I, I got tired of it to a point where I saw a few of my friends, you know, were getting locked up and, and I seen how, you know, everything was just coming down and I just left it alone. I said, nah, this is too much. You know, I had two kids young, you know, I didn't want to be, some of my friends were getting locked up for years and yeah. they, you know, their kids are, you know, no dad for a couple of years. I didn't want that for my kids. So I just stopped fucking around and I said, fuck it. If I got to work two jobs and bust my ass, that's fine. At least I'm free, you know, because, you know, I've done a little time in jail here, months there, two months here, whatever, a week here. And it, it, it's the worst, you know, it's the worst. I, I mean, you know, people think being in jail is cool to glorify it, but it's not, you know, it's, it's like your whole freedom, your whole world stops, you know, and it's like a whole different world in there. You know, it's dangerous. You know, it, 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 it's nothing better than just being free, you know, being home and your family. And that's what stops me nowadays from, you know, fighting and getting into crazy stuff with people. Cause you, you know, you get a lot of haters, you know, when you get become big in art, you know, dudes that I know for years, they just start hating and start attacking you and just come at you because they're just so jealous that they don't have what you have. You know, they'll go on social media, start creating lies and rules. It just gets to you to a point where you, you want to come out like back in the days type shit, you know, on some really ghetto maniac shit. But for what? You know, if you do and you hurt someone, you go to jail for the rest of your life, you lose it all. So it's not even worth it. Yeah. You know, you have to look at it like it's their problem. You know, let them, I'm not, I'm not going to jail for some idiot who's jealous of me and calling me all these names. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I got family to feed and take care of and I've been in jail and it's not a good place. You know, it's not, I'd rather be home and relaxing and doing what I got to do and live life and, you know, focus on my art and my paintings and live life to the fullest because it goes fast, you know, and travel the world. You know, that was another thing, you know, graffiti has taken me worldwide. You know, that's a blessing. I would never, ever think in a million years, you know, being a little dirty Puerto Rican kid from the Bronx, hanging out in abandoned buildings, you know, cutting school and, and smoking weed and drinking beer with a bunch of kids and crazy stuff. and painting trains that I would travel the whole world, you know, and, and that's a really a God blessing to travel the world off, off your art. Yeah. You know, I've been everywhere from, you know, Russia, Japan, Germany, France, you know, it's just phenomenal. Morocco, you know, you look at that like, wow, this is really like, I was supposed to be in China now in Hong Kong with a solo exhibition, but I can't. So, they're doing a, a exhibition with me and two other artists, which is cool for next in March. But I'm looking at a solo exhibition in Tokyo with JPS Gallery in March. I mean, in uh, late in the summertime or, or fall. So, you know, it, it'll come after this COVID thing. Everything that was supposed to happen last year is going to happen slowly. It'll come. But the main thing is that everyone is safe and healthy and this thing goes away because... 
you know, it's destroying and killing the world. Like so mm. many people just lost everything. Yeah. And it's sad. Yeah. You know, their jobs are some people that just got no money. Nothing. Frustrating. Very frustrating times. Um, so, uh, Cope, where can people find you uh, on social media to, to monitor and to track what you're doing? Well, I got a new account. It's uh, at Mr. Cope 2 because my other account, you know, I had about, I was working on 200,000 followers, you know, and, and it got hacked, you know, out of nowhere. It's still up. So I'm working on, on getting it now. You know, I hired a company to contact Facebook because Facebook, I don't know, these guys, they take forever to contact you and it's a mess, you know, and, and, and I'm working on getting the, it's called Cult 2 underscore art underscore life. That's my other account, my original account. Yeah. And I'm working on getting that back. So hopefully I should have it up running in a week or two. You know, I'm waiting on them. They're contacting, uh, I guess, uh, Facebook's legal team and, and trying to get that back. How did, you know, that was, how did you know it was hacked? Was someone posting like artificial stuff? Well, yeah, it's crazy. They tricked me. I got tricked. And it's funny, I wasn't going to go for it, but. I got a DM from, it, it's so, it, it looks so real because it, it says, uh, it sends you a thing like they actually Instagram and it says, if you don't respond to this within 24 hours, your account's going to get deleted if you don't uh, respond to this. It was something that had to do with the badge, the blue uh, the blue uh, badge. The tick, the uh, verification. The verification. So I was like, I'm not going for it. I don't trust it. But then it looks so real. I'm like, wait a minute. So it, it, it kind of throws you off because you're like, what if <laughs> what if they do, what if it is Instagram and they do delete my, my Instagram? I got to fucking open a new one. So I just said, eh, let me try. Maybe it's nothing. I tried it. Boom. I pressed it. Boom. Man, I don't know how they do it, man. They get your email. They change your email. They change your password. They change everything. It's insane. I couldn't get in. Oh. I couldn't get out tried every link, everything. And, and, and I just couldn't get in. Finally, when I got a hold of Facebook, you know, they said that the account is not existing anymore. You know, they, I don't think they can, but I, I'm sure they have ways of doing it because when you contact them, you get these automatic emails. It's not like someone you're actually talking to. That's the annoying thing. You know, you get just like the way they have it set up. is crazy. So you're really just talking to probably an automatic uh, computer just sends you to do what you got to do. And you can't, if you, you know, to talk to actually somebody, it's impossible. Because I think there's thousands of people that have hacked accounts and problems on Instagram. Yeah. You know, there's thousands of people out there. They can't get to everybody. You know, yeah. just, so I just hired someone um, to contact their legal team and hopefully I get it back and it might it, then... I have two accounts, but if I get my my original account, I'm I'll delete this one. But for now, it's Mister Cope too. Yeah, I mean, like the other account that you got, which is hacked. I mean, it's massive audience. So I was thinking to myself when you yeah, told me when you told me about yeah, I mean it, that must be a a very good revenue source for you because a lot of people now use social media, including Instagram, as a way of yep. you know generating money, and you must get DMs all the time for your work. Oh. The DMs are ridiculous. I can't even catch up. I can't even catch up. It's it's just unreal. It's ridiculous. But it's cool, man. You see a lot of fans, a lot of a lot of love, man. You know, it's 
so many people really, really from all over the world. They really, really look up to you. It's an, it's really a beautiful thing. You know, I got kids from all over the world, from countries, I, I, little towns. They they know who I am. It's 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 like phenomenal to see that. Mm. You know, they literally do my name on walls on paper. You know, it, it's it's really cool, man. You know, and that's the cool thing about it. You know that you know in ten twenty years from now, these people will be probably huge adults, hopefully good jobs. You never know. They'll be buying an actual piece from you, you know? And that's the whole thing about it. It's like when I'm dead and gone, these little kids who look up to me now, I got kids from like probably 10, 15 years ago. They're older now. They got good jobs. They, oh, man. I used to look up to you when I was this and I don't write graffiti no more, but I work here and I, I like to buy a piece. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, and this guy's been watching me for like 20 years, yeah. you know, when he was young. And now the guy's an adult and he's got a good job. He has family, kids, and he wants to buy a coat throw to put in his fucking room. You know, that's, that's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, that's 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 phenomenal. And, and once that happens, you know, you made it in life. And I'm very thankful for, for, for God to bless me with this, you know, because, you know, I'm very a strong believer in God. You know, he's the creator of this world and you know I'm not into religions at all but you know I have you know a faith in God that he you do the right thing in life and and he will bless you you know yeah and um, man I tell you man it's just insane you know I really like trip out of it sometimes I gotta like wow this is uh this is over it's really overwhelming mm. like you said it's a it's a beautiful thing and now that we're in a, a, an era or an age where um Social media is literally connecting people all around the world. It's um, it can be a bit of a curse sometimes. It can be a distraction, yeah, and, and there can yeah. be the mental health side of things. But at the same time, it's it's great for businesses. It's great to connect people and and, and feel the positivity from from people from across the world. Um, Cope, I wanted to ask you one more thing. Um, I have a saying, okay, and the saying goes like this: Be happy, never content. If I was to ask you, Cope, what be happy, never content means to you, if you can give me your interpretation of it. Wow. Be happy, man. I mean, I mean, I guess to me in life, man, just do what makes you happy, period. You know, life ain't perfect. You know, everyone is not perfect. We have our ups and downs and, you know, it's always going to be bad and good. But, you, you know, even in the bad times, you got to be happy, you know, regardless, because it'll pass. You know, it'll pass. And um never content. I guess yeah. do what's best for you and just respect always respect everyone and try to stay positive no matter what. You know, I learned the hard way, you know. People get at me off my my you know, off my rocker sometimes, but as you get older, you know, I got grandkids now. I'm like, I got time to argue and fight with anyone. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any it just kills you. You know, and it it, it it, just try to be positive, you know, and, and stay happy and do what makes you happy. Yeah, yeah, I hear that, bro. All right. Well, look, this podcast comes out a week today, so I'll for sure send you over the videos once it's done. And uh, let's so, keep let's keep the commu communication open, Cope, because there's definitely yeah, room for us, us to do some uh, some collaboration, some business together. 
ready, man. I love London. Let's get out there. Hopefully, I get to do that collaboration with Banksy, too. <laughs> yeah, that'd be phenomenal. All right. Last one, <laughs> I mate. met him before. He was really cool, dude. Yeah? Is his, All right, na- is, is his name Robin, yeah. by any chance? I'm not sure, but I know how he looked. I mean, I've seen one picture of him online, but yeah, it was in 1995. I flew over there with PJ, and we went to see a, a show that Scene had when I think D-Fade is his uh, D-Side Gallery at the time. Right. In 95, and I went over to London with PJ, and then Scene was like, um, yo, we're going to hang out tonight with my boy, Banksy. I was like, Banksy? Who the fuck is Banksy? You know, I didn't know I was an into speed art. You know, I was I was graffiti, you know, graffiti purist. And I wasn't even doing canvases yet. This is 1995, and he's like, yeah, we're going to meet at a pub tonight, and, you know, we're going to drink some beers. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I went over there with PJ. And um, Pulse, this other guy, Pulse, from, from London, he writes Pulse. He's like a legendary uh, graffiti writer. And, um, yeah, we met Banksy. And, and, you know, I didn't think none of it. I didn't really know who he was. I wasn't into him yet. But uh, he, he, I know he, I remember he brought a box of Cohiba cigars. And he gave us some cigars. And we were smoking. And he bought us beers. And, you know, he really, really was cool. He was really talking about he, how he, uh, he looks up to me and Dean and, all the New York writers and you know, I was like, Oh cool, I thought it was just a regular dude in, in London that just liked graffiti. And I had no idea who was Banksy at the time. So then he wanted us to go to his studio. He wanted to do a collaboration with me. You know, he wanted to do he said, Would you come to my studio and do a Coke bubble on a canvas and I would do something on top of it? So I was like, Oh, all right, I mean, if that's what you want and Scene was like, Yeah, let's go, pal, let's you know, let's all go but you know, at the time, uh, this guy Pulse didn't like him. You know, he, he he said he didn't like Banksy, and I was with Pulse, and he didn't want to go. So Scene went with Banksy to a studio, and me and PJ and Pulse left. And I didn't think none of it, you know. When I went back home, and, you know, you talk to some of your friends, and they're like, yo, I was London, and I said, yeah, I did this, I did that. I met some street artist named Banksy, and the minute I said Banksy, they'd, like, go crazy. You know, they was like, what? You met Banksy? Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. And I was like, what the fuck's the big deal? Like, he's just a cool dude. Then I went on the internet and I looked into him and I said, oh, no wonder. And I knew it was like weird because um, I wanted to take a picture with him, but he wouldn't take a picture, you know? And he said, no, I don't take pictures, man. No, no disrespect. And then Steve was like, yeah, he just doesn't take pictures. I said, all right, cool. So he took a picture of me, Steve, and PJ, which I have the shot. I'm going to post it on Instagram with the cigars, he took that picture, but he wouldn't take a picture with me, but I didn't, I didn't stress it. I was just like, all right, cool. I respect it. But then when I got home and I finally found out who the fuck he really was, then I said, holy shit, this dude's huge. And I followed them ever since. And then I seen the collaboration he did with Scene online, like a few months later, I think Scene did like a, 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 a ass with some arrows. And he, I think he did like two stencils of uh, some uh, police, some London police on it. So it's like a one of a kind canvas. Wow. You know, and, and yeah, if you look, look it up scene and banks, you'll see the canvas. And that was the night. And I was like, damn, imagine I would have had this one canvas with Banksy. That would have been cool. You know, just one. Fuck it. Up. But hopefully someday I get yeah. to do something with the guy. Uh, He's a genius too. Yeah. He's, he was the genuine guy. He was a genius. Whatever he does, he's amazing. 
incredible stuff man well look no doubt yep. no doubt uh things will happen and um i know your persistence your work rate you know your your your, your vision and more importantly your style is, is definitely going to create that opportunity and um hopefully we could be instrumental in that cope well look, peace and love mate Let's um be safe be well and uh, thank you so much for your time really respect it thank you thank you, Big thank up, you. cheers everybody.